0: Quid pro quo or no quid pro quo, one phone call is nothing compared to stealing $2 billion. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty right here on 95.5 WSB. Normally Saturdays from 3 to 6. Today we're on from 2 to 3. So let's get right to it. We don't have a lot of time, but we have a lot of digging to do. The news that continues to dominate the airwaves is the impeachment investigation against President Trump after he had a phone call where some people argue that he offered the Ukrainian President Zelensky a quid pro quo for investigating Biden and that the quid pro quo is in the form of U.S. aid to Ukraine. We have a rough transcript of the call, so the ambiguity should not be there. There is ambiguity, though. Whistleblowers who were or and were not witnesses to any malfeasance are making their statements, their claims. And Congress is conducting an investigation behind closed doors where they ask witnesses to tell their stories of Trump malfeasance. For me, I don't I think that this stuff is pales in comparison to the underlying scandal that Trump allegedly was offering Zelensky incentive to investigate. And regardless of what Trump's motives were or even what he said or did, and even if you go through the impeachment process, what I really want is an investigation into the massive amounts of corruption that the U.S. government and our representatives over there as institutions and private individuals were participating in after a coup, which I'm now believing we orchestrated just to engage in the corruption, just to engage in all the spoils of the gas trade and uh, international money flows in Ukraine. I'm going to get to as much of that as I can, but let's just get a quick update on maybe the most important uh, um, development in the impeachment stuff this week, First of all, hi, Binkley. How are you?
1: I'm fantastic. How are you?
0: That's great. My producer, Binkley, here is going to, as I was digging and digging and digging into this stuff, there is so much material here on the uh, everything. It's a scandal that reaches from Biden to Kerry. You could even go back to the Clintons on it, and certainly it spans Russian domination of Ukraine oligarchs to now U.S. domination of Ukraine oligarchs. But I really do want to know what's up to the minute. What did you think was the most important event or development this week in the impeachment story?
1: The biggest development according to the media, was that Mick Mulvaney allegedly admitted to a quid pro quo during a press conference last week and then walked it back. He didn't actually admit to it in the way the media has implied, but it doesn't matter because they have linked this incident as to the polls, to stabilizing the polls. They're saying that public opinion has stabilized and that around 52% of Americans want Trump impeached and removed from office.
0: Okay, so this is the tipping point. Yeah, this is the tipping point. Okay, so now we can say that they that the momentum is there to actually proceed with impeachment. Yes. Okay. Right. I, I think that's probably right. Now, the, it's shocking to me. It's not. I mean, what what can shock you anymore when you read the news every day? But the idea that this phone call, which we have a rough transcript of, okay, so maybe we don't have words. Word, we don't hear the audio. I would like to hear the audio, including with the translators and everything. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But we're not going to hear that. Maybe we will if we get the Oval Office tapes Nixon style and some <laughs> impeachment. You know, who knows? But we don't have that stuff. And even if everything they're suggesting is true, that that Trump said, "I want you to investigate the Bidens," and uh, hint, hint. If you don't do the things that we want, we don't send you aid. Even if that is all true, that is nothing compared to both the geopolitical purposes that are that are going on behind the scenes with the Ukraine story and the corruption that went on over the years between the coup and now over there involving Democrats. I mean, I don't I don't care about i don't think the republicans or the democrats one is like angelic and the other is demonic i think if i had to pick i would say they're all demonic not demonic but you know if if you're talking about bad and good i would say they're all bad there are no heroes in this story (laughs) but i have to think that there's two elements here one is that it is such a serious scandal and peter schweitzer wrote a book that kind of brought some of this stuff out Just two years ago, and as I investigate this and read articles from the mainstream media, Huffington Post, Time, New York Times, from this Peter Schweitzer book, over the years, White House press releases, letters from senators, as I see these stories, there is a lot there. There is some funny business going on, and... I think this would have been, if left to just uh, fester or foment itself, would have just cried out for investigation. So I think you, Binkley, nailed it when you said by doing this, by associating investigating this with a Trump-generated witch hunt, they they, prevent—they— can say that all of this is unfounded and to pursue it is just playing into the delusions of a politically motivated madman. I think you really cracked the code on this before it even bubbled up.
1: Yeah. And it's eventually going to get to even speaking about an alleged Biden scandal is spreading Russian propaganda. That's what it'll end up being.
0: I I, I, that's probably true. I wouldn't doubt it at all. That seems to follow the pattern of what's going on here, and I, and I feel like this is like a new age in political boldness where the, the good defense is a good offense, and they're going to come out swinging every time, and they really have the perfect foil in Trump. There's another more political or bigger picture political – so I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty of actual money-changing hands. And this is something that I've had to balance over the years in my like pursuit of the true story. The true story is, in my opinion – is never the narrative, like the official narrative. And I always look at the very big picture. What's that grand chessboard that Brzezinski told us about? What is the three-dimensional chess that James Corbett likes to talk about? I think there's a – there's always, when you look down into it, there's always a a venal angle. I actually had to look that word up when I was looking at this. venus, like motivated by money. There's all they'll never, and you point that out too. And the stuff you talk about is just small potatoes, but I think nobody turns down any. a couple of million bucks and your campaign coffers can pay for a few trips to LA, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so, um, more than a few, but you can if you enjoy that, I mean, you can pay for your big hey, I got a campaign in Hawaii a lot. So, there's There's always the money angle underneath it all, and in this case, you people keep talking about the money angle as being hunter's salary, but there's a bigger money angle behind the scenes here but i did did you see the uh tweet that I copied you on? Somebody tweeted me uh let's see what it basically a someone tweeted saying. Uh do you never accept the official narrative? Asking me, do you never take anything at face value? And I would say that I never take I don't even tell take what my kids tell me they were doing, you know, till ten thirty at night at face value. I right? I mean, do you?
1: I mean, I don't even take my own stated motives at face value.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. You got it. that's what right. isn't that the whole foundation of psychology? Yeah. So I say, I look at it this way. I use two things. One is the stated method of the CIA, which I also got from James Corbett, which is that like 80% of it is of what they get is open source information. It's not even their own assets digging into a, a specific thing. They take what they're hearing and they assess it for plausibility, plausibility, and of the story and credibility of the source. So first apply those. So when people say, oh, you're, you're just, there's no basis for that. I'm like, well, how about your own rational thought? Which again, psychology and sociology work to make you not trust. And then I also, more important is I look at evidence. I look at what the evidence is, not just evidence to debunk what they're saying, but the evidence they're presenting on their case. So I don't accept any of this stuff at face value. And as you dig in, though, there is a lot of stuff that is in evidence about these machinations here at, at, in Ukraine. And there's a very important person who I don't think I've heard his name mentioned in this yet, but it really should be because I think he's behind a lot of it. There's a, Have you heard of the Ukrainian oligarch Ihor Kolomoysky?
1: I don't recall. I don't think so.
0: No, I you don't hear of it, but boy, has that guy got some uh, – he's got a long reach. And one thing that was really interesting to me about him, and he's also at the base of what I think is the scandal here, but he owned the television studio. He owns a big media empire conglomerate over in Ukraine, and he was the guy who ran the station where Zelensky – you told me about this. Do you remember how Zelensky got his start –
1: He was an actor. He played a teacher who becomes a president on a television show.
0: Yes. So there's a a show called Servants of the People where Zelensky plays a teacher whose YouTube rant went viral and ends up getting him elected to president. Okay. (laughs) Now, I can't help but notice a parallel between Jeff Zucker making – Donald Trump the apprentice the boss on the apprentice yeah. which somehow propels this guy with no political history into the presidency and look at Jeff Zucker's station is doing pretty well now compared to what it was doing back then and say so so and he gave Trump so much free PR that Trump spent zero on his campaign which people like shrug off I'm like that's not plausible so, so, so you could think that Kolomoysky maybe runs the show with Zelensky, the Ukraine president, and, but Kolomoysky is so, he's, he's an independent actor, in my opinion, and he's been on all sides. He's been aligned with various presidents of Ukraine over the years. He's been aligned with Russia. He's been, I think, aligned with the Democrats. So there was this. I read an article in Foreign Policy right before this this scandal broke a couple of months ago that said, hey, Zelensky might want to bury the hatchet with Russia. This must be stopped at all costs. So that also reminded me of something you said where – It was if Zelensky reaches across the aisle to the Russians, it's going to look like part of a quid pro quo with Trump and really increase international pressure against it.
1: Yeah, and they're seeding the Russia thing. They're starting to link it to this with those two people who were arrested or detained that were Giuliani's people. They say that they have Russian connections and now Hillary Clinton floating the third party Russian candidates and the Trump Russian stuff.
0: Yeah, but that, those two guys have a Kolomoisky connection. I'll tell you about it after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Have time for a prize pack today. I love that. A pair of tickets to see Eagles on their 2020 tour, which opens for two nights at State Farm Arena on Friday, February 7th and Saturday, February 8th. I have to say, I did see the Eagles on their last tour and they were great. The tickets are on sale uh, at Ticketmaster.com, but the first person to call 404-741-0750 gets a pair of tickets on us. So let's uh, get back to this. A couple of things. OK, so the Giuliani guys who were or the people who are associated with Giuliani who were arrested recently for Ukrainian interference, campaign finance law, stuff like that. Uh, they One of those guys is the d- signed up as a translator for a an, uh, an, uh, Ukrainian oligarch who is wanted in the U.S. and is fighting extradition from Austria, this guy named Fertash. He was a liaison between the Russian oil giant Gazprom and the Ukrainian government and funneled supposedly money from Gazprom to Ukrainian politicians. So there, they, when you dig into these Ukrainian oligarchs, first of all, m- many of them are on the Forbes list of billionaires, which I mean, that is a pretty rich place. And there's just corruption. There, I haven't seen one of them who was not linked with hardcore corruption. And this Kolomoisky, who should, I believe, had his issues with Furtash in the past, now is on his side. So I don't know how all of this is going to fold in. It feels like everybody plays both sides against the middle here. But, Binkley, you had said something. We we have just a minute to get to. What were you saying about Hillary and third-party Russians?
1: Hillary's injecting the Russian connection back into the public mind by accusing Tulsi Gabbard of being groomed by Russian Russia's to run a third-party ticket to split the Dems and help Trump win.
0: Okay, that's – the Tulsi Gabbard thing, I, I know people are desperate for hope. Everyone wants a hero. They're willing to compromise half of their principles, whichever half it is, for – anyone they think is even vaguely honest by saying something that is not in lockstep with the official narrative. But Hillary Clinton called the CFR the mothership where she got her marching orders <laughs> as Secretary of State. And Tulsi Gabbard is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. Now, I'm not saying that that's the that that is an absolute deal breaker, that people don't aren't in the Council of Foreign Relations without realizing what it really means. But I have a feeling that with the kind of press she gets, she's probably more connected than she'd let you look. But not to Russia. (laughs) Anyway, we've got so much more to get into right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty right here on 95.5 WSB. And I normally do that, Saturdays from 3 to 6. Right now, we only have till 3 o'clock, so we've got to really get to it. And I'm just trying to give people stuff they're not otherwise hearing on the impeachment scandal, big picture. But deeper into it is the underlying Biden scandal. There is so much meat on that bone that absolutely cries out for investigation. And it made me wonder, my producer, Binkley, here and I, uh, tend to... Not take things at face value. And when we when I look at this impeachment thing, I I almost wondered, I actually don't think this is true, but it's possible in a really, really cynical world that Trump put that Biden stuff in the call with Zelensky, which he already said he knew was heavily populated coal. It would be heard. It would probably get out. Maybe he inserted that Biden thing as a favor to Biden because now, if Biden is invested, Biden will never be investigated because if Biden's investigated, it will just be what I saw one headline saying Trump sure believes some bizarre conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> right? Everything is unfounded allegations about Biden. I, I'm telling you right now for this one hour show, just since yesterday, and this is on top of all the other work I did, I have a stack of unique pieces over the past five years that offer a foundation for theories like that that should be investigated so i would say so i was like okay it's a little far-fetched that trump would actually do it on purpose he certainly plays into the ambiguity but binkley something you told me over the break made me think this would be hilarious if it's that sophisticated which i don't think it is but it was an interesting uh, statistic about clinton what was that
1: After Bill Clinton was formally impeached on December 21st, a few days afterwards, his approval level with voters went 10 points, 10 points higher to a personal all time high at 73 percent. And then 68 percent of people polled believe that the Senate should not convict Mr. Clinton during the trial.
0: So and of course, I can completely identify with that psychological phenomenon. I remember George W. Bush. I was no fan of anything he did. I can't think of anything he did that I thought was against the welfare state or against the warfare state. Nothing. So maybe there were things, but I just wasn't tuned into that at all. I was never making an apology for him. The only reason I would defend him or have sympathy for him was that it was crystal clear that the media attacked him unfairly or more than they attacked Democrats. I just was like, he's... they. It's that Me Too thing or What About thing or whatever where – but the other guys – so it's highly sympathetic to have somebody be attacked. So I can see this being like – especially if it's something shallow and meaningless like a transcript that's already in the record. Similar, but your statistic is more compelling. But the Nixon one where water the Watergate scandal broke in August before the election where Nixon won by basically a landslide. And then he was he resigned. He never even was impeached. There was not. So he resigned. He just capitulated after some people really set him up. So. But let's get into a little more of the meat of this. So last time we talked or when I first was like, oh, my gosh, look at this, Devin Archer and Hunter Biden and all these people on the board of Breesman. it's like crazy so I uh, and then I said, OK, they're all in league with these anti-corruption organizations. And I honestly think that a book could be written about the international scan that is anti-corruption organizations where people connected with the U.S. government and their cronies go to actual corrupt people who did corrupt their own governments and they take their money for their own selves. You know, it's like corrupt versus corrupt. And who's a better? It's like stealing a drug dealer's money. He's not going to the cops. So <laughs> if he's dead, you can steal his money. So that's how I saw this Burisma thing shaking out because they weren't really after the the headlines or the stories were all about how they were after they wanted the prosecutors to go after Zlochevsky, who was the guy who founded Burisma. So that was my idea that Hunter was in Burisma to to be there when when all the assets were kind of in limbo as they ran this founder out of town. And that may be true. They may have wanted Zlochevsky's money because he had no leg to stand on. He was on the run. But if you dig deeper... I found there were many sources for a lot of this information from Huffington Post, New York Times, Time, PJ Media. There were a couple of ones that are a little sketchy. Sputnik was one of them. But it can be verified by outside sources. I invite people to do their own research. It looks like this guy Kolomoisky, who I was telling you about who's behind Zelensky, actually was the owner of Burisma. And that Burisma was headquartered in Cyprus at the same address as Kolomoisky's cypriot investments now cyprus is a joke a running joke of like where russian assets go to hide or ukrainian assets or that was it from a new york times article from like 2014 outing this stuff and here's the crazy thing so this guy kolomoisky owned a bank called privat bank privat bank and the I have like letters here for a letter from senators and I have a White House press release, a bunch of things that say and, and um, some news articles that say that Biden and Kerry were promoting this IMF loans to Ukraine and the White House press release even says we will oversee these loans to make sure they're used wisely in Ukraine. Well, a couple of billion of those went to Privat Bank owned by Kolomoisky and where they're supposed to be they're supposed to fit into some parameters of how the stuff is lent out. According to some of these investigations by an uh, anti-corruption group that provides court documents as evidence, the private bank loans uh, up to $1.8 billion, which is what the IMF gave it, went to uh, these shell companies or these little companies, loans that Kolomoisky controlled and that it was traced to his accounts in Cyprus. And here's a scam that Clinton was... uh, was accused of which is you get loans that are never meant to be repaid. So instead of just saying why did they write you this check? it's like oh it's just a loan I'll pay him back. Like so if people come sniffing around you get to say it was just a loan but or you can default on it and if it's if it's corporate they don't claw it back from the people who actually got the money. So private bank went bankrupt. And so this guy took all the money out. This is how the story goes that that I've read I think P, I do invite people to do their own research here that private Bank went under, Ukraine bailed it out because there were depositors. So they bailed it out to the tune of billions of dollars. And we were getting more than the amount of aid we actually gave directly to Ukraine at the time from the US. And that uh, nothing ever, nothing ever came of that. Kolomoysko there isn't even a warrant out for his arrest like there is for Firtash, for example, who I mentioned earlier. So if, if that's what's going on, that, Kerry and Biden and those guys got the IMF, supported the IMF. There was one point at which the letter that the senators, four senators, wrote to Obama saying, saying, give money to develop gas in Ukraine. Okay, Burisma came out with a press release the next day saying, right on, guys, you did great to the senators who said that. Now, Burisma had had hired. A lobbyist who was this guy named David Leiter, who was the chief of staff for Kerry and Kerry was secretary of state at the time. This guy then went into private like lobbying business. And prior to his officially signing up with Burisma, he did make contributions to two of the four senators on that letter. So I know it sounds complicated, but the idea is that Kerry, Biden, the lobbyist, Burisma were potentially instrumental in getting the IMF to send money in that direction and that some of that imf money went to this guy called who was probably the actual guy who gave biden and archer the job because zlochevsky according to some of these sources was gone from burisma by then he founded it but kolo was the actual owner at the time because i kept wondering i was like i did zlochevsky was on the run when biden and archer Got to Burisma. so he just stopped on the way out the door and said, "Oh, you guys are high and I gotta go." Like no way. Where that's I. That's why I was like pulling on these strings. So then there's another. So all of this started because George Kent last week, the guy I had been talking about on our podcast, Drive Time News Blast. This George Kent was one of the guys who he wrote a letter to one of the prosecutors saying, "Hey, don't look into our, the Soros U.S. federal government anti-corruption activities in Ukraine." Trust me, they're on the up and up. So this guy was testifying in Congress last week, and he said, oh, there was one point where Obama and USAID, which is supposedly like a foreign aid thing but is widely regarded as a CIA front organization, wanted to have a children-based photo opportunity with Burisma, but I was not comfortable with that. So that was in 2016. I called it off. So I started looking into it. I was like, USAID is uh, CIA. And then I remembered – that one, of the, there's a small board at Burisma. It's Hunter Biden, who I think just stepped down, Devin Archer, and uh, a couple other guys. But one of the guys uh, is Joseph Coffer Black, who was the vice chairman of Blackwater, which is the mercenary organization that's big in like Iraq war and stuff. Uh, Chairman of Total Intelligence Solutions and the former director of CIA's Counterterrorist Center and ambassador at large for counterterrorism. And he cited on the Burisma website as having a unique ability to assess and influence people. He was he is experienced at interacting at the presidential level and with Congress to successfully secure support for critical initiatives, managing media as a diplomatic spokesperson and representing the United States at the head of state level. So they have a CIA guy on the board of Burisma, who, which is, from what I can tell, owned by Kolomoysky. at the same time that people in the U.S. government are encouraging big aid to go through those coffers, $1.8 billion of which has disappeared. And Kolomoisky is now suing Zelensky, his guy, saying that you took private bank over because it was going under, but it wasn't really, and I want my $2 billion back. But, like— he took the two billion dollars off the top, you know. So this is a good offense. You know, good defense is a good offense. And Zelensky says, "Guy he might even get money for having bankrupted private bank." But all of this stuff comes together in a in a way that makes me think that there is just it just goes so deep, and that we're never going to look at what what really happens. And I and I think about so Burisma. I don't even think it was a real. Some of the stuff suggests that it was in itself a shell company there to kind of receive this stuff. So I thought that Hunter Biden was going to be there to catch it when it fell, but it's it seems more like it it was set up as a a vehicle to ex to like get a lot of this aid money. You know, like that's how nuts it is. Like the money wasn't even there. It's, I mean, does this sound too far fetched? <laughs>
1: No, it it sounds like a tangled web of corruption.
0: And how would you figure out what's really going on here? What do you suggest?
1: Well, to really figure out what's going on, I think you have to fly over to Ukraine and personally do an investigation outside of that.
0: I think that we should empower our government to do that. Yeah. I think Trump should call Zelensky and suggest that if he wants any more aid, he is going to investigate.
1: That's an impeachable (laughs) offense, investigating corruption.
0: I'm just saying if it if it it, there's a there's an article. Oh, my gosh, I'm running out of time. Let me right after the break. I want to read from a letter that three senators wrote to the prosecutor of Ukraine just last year that I think touches on the fine line between asking them to do stuff as a quid pro quo and asking them to do stuff out of a profound sense of what's right and wrong. Right after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought to believe was all made of bull. On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. Well, before we wrap, and oh, by the way, next week is a bye week for UGA, so we have a full show, which is Saturday, 3 to 6. You're going to want to hear it. And if you want to hear our podcast or this show, go to thepropreport.com. There's tons and stuff, tons of stuff to listen to if you haven't gotten enough right now. But I did want to read from this letter. I don't know if everybody's heard about this letter, but it was written in May 2018 by. Uh, Senator Menendez, Senator Leahy, and Senator Durbin. And it says to Lutsenko, the prosecutor that Biden installed in Ukraine, I guess they still thought he was his guy, we're writing to express our great concern about reports that your office has taken steps to impede cooperation with the investigation of United States Special Counsel Robert Mueller. As strong advocates for a robust and close relationship with Ukraine, we believe that our cooperation should extend to such legal matters, regardless of politics. Ours is a relationship built on a foundation of respect for the rule of law and accountable democratic institutions. We are disappointed that some in Kiev appear to have cast aside these principles in order to avoid the ire of President Trump. If these reports are true, we strongly encourage you to reverse course and halt any efforts to impede cooperation with this important investigation. It sounds like one of those like voice of gods on the star trek the original story. we strongly advise you to reverse course or we will fire on your ship so i don't know that sounded that sounds like a threat like you know this is it seems to me or or let's say it isn't let's take it at face value and let's say that these guys really care about investing, investigating President Trump, not because they're Democrats, but because they care about the rule of law. Mm -hmm. So why should this not because probably because it did. I mean, it's it is no it is as veiled a threat, I think, as as Trump's allegedly is.
1: Yeah, it's just like it
0: yeah just like it so i feel so the, the, those are those senators there was the other letter from 2014 to obama i want to tell you who just so before we cut out who the four senators assigned that markey and shaheen were the ones who had gotten money from L, ml strategies that's a david lighter and ron wyden who i always liked uh, and chris murphy who features big as an impeach it's he says uh I can't, I have to support impeachment because we're talking about breaking the law. (laughs) So I'd like to investigate him too. Anyway, talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is Monica Perez.